Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the Haskin Cast podcast. This is my return from the uh, break I was going to take in the middle of which the world kind of went nuts. And uh, as of right now, while I'm recording this and you guys are listening on uh, Wednesday night, if you're in uh, on release day, uh, it's still nuts. I have not been tracking the progress of deaths and whatever because I don't really feel I need to. All I need to know is what to do to protect myself, what to do to protect my fellow man. And I have uh, very much limited travel. Uh, I wanted to take a walk down the strip because I thought, you know, when am I ever going to see it all dark? And I went down, uh, but all the parking is blocked off. So there's not really anything convenient uh, to uh, to get down there and take a walk. But I'm still going to try and uh, at least take maybe a drive down there and uh, get some shots because this is certainly a unique time in the history of uh, the city that I live in. But uh, I would imagine it's the same thing for a lot of you guys. You know, even uh, every uh, major city that has a downtown that just does not look the same uh, right now while we're all kind of on quarantine and only essential businesses are uh, operating. And uh, it's kind of interesting. I think that it's uh, I think it's cool that a lot of the restaurants have, uh, you know, kind of just been uh, staying open for takeout and delivery and that sort of thing. Um, I think certainly a good business right now would be, uh, you know, Uber Eats or anything like that uh, to help get food to people that don't have any or uh, maybe are, are concerned about the uh, supply of food that they have. Uh, from what I understand, things are starting to get a little bit better in the grocery stores, at least around here. They've started limiting uh, what what certain items you can purchase so that everybody has the opportunity to get some of those items and they've cut their hours from 24 hours to like 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Uh, so that they can properly get shelves restocked and things like that, limit the uh, the time frame that people are in the store. So there's a lot of stuff going on uh, that, that I'm, I'm glad to see. I've seen a lot of people reaching out to each other to see if they need anything, supplying each other with things that uh, they have that somebody else might need. Uh, that part I've really liked. The part I haven't liked is, uh, you know, the usual social media. How many jokes about the virus can you see? How many times can you see the same jokes over and over? Um, a lot of uh, rudeness and inconsideration to different people. Uh, I've seen a lot of ugly uh, in all of this. So hopefully when people look back, they will, um, you know, they'll they'll kind of look and see how they acted and see how they treated each other and, and see how they were treated. And uh, be aware of that. Be aware of who people are, because, you know, I kind of equate it to an insurance company. You know, everybody says, OK, I'm with this, and this uh, auto insurance carrier. Right. And I'll ask them, well, are they a good carrier? Do you like them? Oh, yeah, they're great. And I'll say, have you ever filed a claim? And they said, no. Huh. OK, well, what makes them great? Uh, well, they take your money every month, right, or every six months or once a year, depending on how you pay your premiums. I uh, and set up to pay monthly. So for me, they take my money every month. Okay. They're really good at that, but you're not really going to know how they are until you have some kind of issue that they need to deal with and they need to prove themselves. And I kind of feel very much like people are the same way. And, uh, this has certainly been an opportunity to see how people act, uh, what they talk about, the information they spread, whether they research it or just share, uh, something that somebody else said, uh, if they take something that they hear and go, oh, this is fact, I didn't research it or what. I mean, there's so much misinformation going on out there. And um, more importantly, though, how they act to you. Like if you if you go and check on somebody 
and and you say something like, hey, just wanted to make sure you're doing okay. Do you have enough food? Do you have everything you need? And they're just like, yeah, we're doing great. And you're like, okay. And then you just like watch a tumbleweed go by. Oh, I'm fine too. Thanks for asking. You know, there's a lot of just um, a lot of one one sidedness. And you really get to see that when uh, people are, are in more of a panic mode. Like this is the time really when everybody should be checking on each other, making sure everybody's okay. And uh, it's really interesting to see some of the responses that I've gotten from people and uh, even people that I don't know that well, like they've they've been really concerned uh, about me to make sure that I'm OK when I've reached out to them. And I greatly appreciate that. Uh, it's it's definitely been very, very interesting, um, but that's how it goes. And, and you can kind of move forward knowing that in times of crisis, people show who they really are. You don't necessarily see those things tested. Uh, just like the insurance company, you don't see them being tested when they just take your money every month. So something to think about and hopefully, uh, you know, people will look at how they acted and how they treated each other. And the people that didn't do very well will will realize that and start doing better, because as, as horrible as this thing is, it's also an opportunity for those of us uh, that that uh, sustain ourselves through it to to really kind of judge ourselves and, and see what we value in life and, and who values us and how. And uh, so just do better. Now, uh, while I've been on hiatus, I've been uh, very, very busy catching up on a lot of stuff that I had put aside uh, because the podcast keeps me very busy. Also, the music and, and that I write, the books that I'm working on and things keep me very busy. So it's been a great time to catch up. I'm doing some computer upgrades. I think I finally solved the problem that I'm having with my new digital audio interface and I'm very, very excited about that. It's been a lot of pain-taking, painstaking tests and trial and error, but I think I may have finally got it working 100%. No fault of the device itself. Uh, it's just a matter of how it worked with the way that my computer was set up as opposed to my previous interface, uh, which was really a plug and play. This one's a lot more advanced. It can do a lot more things. It needs more power. And so I had to uh, change a lot of options in the computer to get everything to work. So far, so good. Uh, unfortunately, it was after the interview. I don't think there were any dropouts during the interview, though, uh, So, which was great. Uh, so that's been keeping me busy. I've also been working on getting some of those uh, video walkthroughs done. Uh, I've got a couple that I've done for Eduardo Terralante, who was a guest on a previous episode when uh, we talked about his his different instruments. And uh, hopefully the uh, the next ones that I'm doing will be better. I'm going to test one after I do this uh, edit the podcast and see. That's going to be the real test because that's where the, the system's running for a long period of time and I uh, tend to get a lot of dropouts. So uh, hopefully this will all prove well and uh, and happy and all that good stuff. So there's that and uh, there'll be more of those. Those are all on my YouTube channel, which is in the show notes. So make sure that you go and check that out. Uh, this week returning, uh, you know, if you guys didn't check out the last episode that I did, episode 100 with Allison Arngram, uh, that was a, such a fun episode. I love talking to her. Probably could have talked to her for two or three hours. She was just a joy to speak to the whole time. And right now on Facebook, she is reading, I think it's one chapter a day of Little House on the Prairie, the entire series from beginning to end. Uh, why would you do it in any other order? And uh, and and it's a lot of fun. Uh, so go check that out. If you are a fan of the show, it's really nice to hear her read it. She's a very, very good reader. And uh, a lot of fun and obviously something that, that uh, if you listen to the show, she's incredibly passionate about, as she should be. 
So that's pretty cool. Uh, that's some good stuff going on. All kinds of things uh, changing with everybody being on hiatus. I've seen a lot of great uh, suggestions about uh you know, things like making sure that you're, uh, you know, taking money that you would have donated to some, to like a, t- a concert ticket or something and, and donating it to artists or a group, uh, an artist group or something, because, you know, right now, um, you may think these people make a lot of money, but the fact is, uh, the touring is what sustains them. The album sales don't do it anymore. And, uh, I, I'm not going to say that Spotify and companies like Spotify have ruined it, but I will say that people are not buying music in the way that they used to. And so now uh, a lot of making up for the recording costs has to be done on the tour because the album sales are not uh, making up the percentages that they used to. So without people being able to tour, uh, they're not even able to make up the recording costs as much, let alone the money that they are uh, expecting to live on, which is coming from their tours. So, uh, you know, I really like that idea. There's uh, there's nothing that I had uh, purchased. Uh, everything that I had purchased, I've seen. Uh, there's a couple concerts coming up uh, that I would like to see, but they're not until later in the year. So hopefully those will still stay on target or at least be rescheduled. But definitely, uh, you know, that's just music. There's uh, actors, you know, it's the same thing for actors. They get their uh, their money comes, uh, all the stage actor friends that I have, their money comes from their performances. And right now no one's able to perform. So uh, some of them have been able to do like some YouTube things and that, but they're not, you know, you really can't monetize that very easily. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot to think about and a lot of people that, that need the support, but I started thinking about something, uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday and I was saying, you know, it's, uh, a lot of people in restaurants are out of work because they don't need as many people to service the, the takeout, uh, and delivery service. You don't need all those waiters and waitresses and bus boys and things like that. Uh, but then it started to hit me, you know, Let's just take a a restaurant that their main dish, one of their main dishes is like a lobster dinner. Well, it's not even just the fact that people aren't going to order lobster takeout. It's the fact that they're not going to order lobster because people aren't going to order those dinners. So now the suppliers are going to start hurting because they're not going to have as many uh, products ordered. And then it's the people that go out and catch the lobsters. Well, what's happening with them? They're not getting, um, you know, as many orders for their product and so that there's really a, a domino effect to this whole thing. And it's something that, that we really need to think about all the people that are affected by this. And, uh, you know, then there's the the people that are putting themselves at risk, like the nurses and the doctors and the people in the grocery stores and, you know, uh, the people that are working in the restaurants and the delivery people and the gas stations and all this stuff that are are keeping us sustained. You know, take a second and thank them. It doesn't take much energy to uh, to put a smile in somebody's day and people that are are putting themselves themselves at risk so that society can continue and sustain as best as possible uh, deserve a, a, an extra kudos. And then the people that are really putting themselves at risk are the people that are having to touch other people like uh, doctors and nurses and things like that. So be considerate, be appreciative. If you see somebody in a store, stop them and say, hey, thank you for everything that you're doing because we couldn't uh, we couldn't get groceries without you. People couldn't get tested if uh, there weren't nurses and doctors working and people that are working in labs and all this stuff. So, you know, this is a time where we can unite or we can do uh, things like people have been doing to me where, uh, you know, I've been getting a rash of friend requests during this on Facebook. And uh, most of them have been, uh, hey, I want to be your friend. Okay, I'll check yes. And then within a couple of hours, I'll just get a link to like their page or they want to sell me something or whatever. I'm like, you know, 
I get being an entrepreneur. I get wanting to sell your product. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But say hello f- first, you know. And and I even asked a couple of people, I'm like, is this the only reason you connected with me is to sell your, your uh, PA speakers, which does anyone need PA speakers right now? Everything's closed. I'm also not a live performer, so I don't have any need for PA speakers at all. But of course, people aren't looking at their customer. They're just seeing a person came up. I'm going to click on it. I'm going to send them a link and maybe they'll buy something. And so, uh, you know, obviously uh, I didn't keep those people because that's literally their answer to is this the reason why you requested my friendship was yes. Okay, well, A, I don't even need your product. B, I wouldn't buy from you anyway, just because you're not even decent uh, a person. So there's plenty of things I can get locally. I'm not going to buy speakers from somebody halfway around the world. The the shipping cost alone would be ridiculous. So I don't know, just think, treat people better. It's not that hard. It really isn't. Uh, so anyway, that's my rant for the, uh, the virus situation. Hopefully this will all clear up soon. Hopefully we'll find a way to, uh, get back to some kind of normalcy and, uh, find a way to help all the people that have, uh, that are lacking in supplies or lacking in, uh, finances, things like that. It's very, very important to make sure that we're taking care of each other, check in with each other, make sure that we all have what we need and don't hoard. Don't, you know, don't panic so much. It's not that bad. The situation, we can still get food. We're not, uh, you know, we're not in in a real quarantine. So uh, take care of yourselves, take care of each other. Okay, that was a bigger rant than I had anticipated. But you know what? Sometimes there are things that just need to be said. And based on what I've seen, they needed to be said. So anyway, let's get back to the podcast and some good stuff. Uh, back after the the hiatus, got a lot done during that time, continuing to catch up on a lot of things. I'm doing some computer upgrades after I uh, finish editing this week's episode and uh, getting that uploaded. I always like to have things done and uh, securely in place before I start messing with things that could cause me to have delays. And I want to get the show, uh, keep it on schedule because that's very important. So episode 101. With my uh, with my friend Michelle, who's just a, a wonderful, beautiful person, um, her uh, her posts always make me smile. She's always posting these beautiful nature shots of places that you just want to spend eternity. You know, beautiful sunsets on the water and uh, just amazing, amazing places and, she, and some very uplifting stuff. But she also posts some stuff that that makes me laugh, which is really good. And uh, you know. I don't really have much of a sense of humor, but uh, there are things that she has found a way to make me laugh, which is great. Uh, There's things that make me smile, and I think that's really just what makes me happy. I don't need a laugh. I don't need a joke. Uh, I just need things that make me smile, and uh, pictures of sunsets, things like that definitely make me happy. Um, So what have you guys been doing during the quarantine to kind of keep your spirits up? I'd love to hear from you. Write me at scott at scotthaskin.com. Let me know if you have any tips or any information that would be helpful to others. And I will uh, broadcast that on the next episode. Uh, I would also like to thank my first uh, show donor for donating to uh, to the show some cash to help me with the expenses. That was very much appreciated. That was before all this uh, insanity broke out. So right now, I would say as much as I would appreciate that, I would rather see you uh, give money to people that are uh, in need of food or shelter or clothing, things like that. Uh, once this is all cleared up, then yeah, of course, give your money to me. Uh, you know, the show costs me and uh, 
it would uh, it's always nice to have people that care enough or find value enough in the show to help out. So I appreciate some patrons. I am working uh, on some ideas uh, for uh, gifts to give back that are not monetary because, if, you know, if you donate to the show and then I send you a gift. Well, that's just taking your money and giving it back to you in the way. Uh, so you're just basically I could just open a store and have you do that. Uh, but I don't really want to do that. I, I have my monthly giveaway that I do, um, but I really want to be able to utilize that to uh, just cover the expenses of the show and maybe give you other gifts. And uh, and I'm working on that. So hopefully it's something that people will find value in. And that's uh, that's pretty much it. I appreciate all the support. I appreciate you guys uh, tuning in and listening. That means a lot to me. Otherwise, what would be the point of doing this if no one listened to the show, right? Why would I sit here and talk for way too long? And uh, that's about that. So let's bring on our guest, Michelle. Fantastic person. You will just fall madly in love with her. She's so sweet and very intelligent, very caring, giving person. And I'm very happy that she is my first guest back from the break. Let's bring on Michelle. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for waiting through the hiatus of the show being uh, off. I was getting a lot of things done that you may or may not see ever, so we'll see how that goes. But the show is back, and I'm very, very excited to bring back my first guest after the break. She is an absolutely wonderful and dear friend of mine, Michelle Glasper. And Michelle, how are you? Hi, Scott. I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. You know, this uh, we're recording this a little bit earlier than it will air. Uh, we are just a handful of days into the quarantine. How are you guys holding up? You know, we're doing pretty well, all in all, I would say. Um, thankfully, my immediate family is doing pretty well, so I'm grateful for that. Uh, you know, it's kind of been a mixed bag. There's been some people that have been really wonderful and offered to help their neighbors. And then there's been the ones that felt the need to go into the stores and, you know, buy everything in sight and leave them bare. And that's been kind of disheartening. Yeah, it really has. And and I think back to the last time that we had some sort of hysterical panic, which would probably be September 11th of 2001. And I remember there were people that were, you know, they were looting jewelry stores and stealing televisions because that's going to help. Uh, right. and, but, and there were people in Colorado that were gouging uh, the gas for like $80 a gallon. And people were, would be like a mile long waiting to get gas, hoping there would still be enough. And I think back to that and I think, but there was also all of those people that were incredibly generous. They would slow down and let you into traffic. They would, you know, do you need anything? And I I see that same mix now. It's like we didn't really learn anything. Yes, exactly. I, and I really I was hoping, you know, with the talk of of us as a as a people, you know, evolving and becoming more enlightened, I was really hoping to see more of that. We're in this together, and you know, we're stronger together than we are apart. Instead of this me first, me only mentality mm-hmm. that that some people are having. And and I know a lot of people say to me, well, they're scared. Okay, I get that. I understand being scared, but you're still responsible for how you choose to behave and conduct yourself. You can be frightened and still be a good person. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the the videos that I remember seeing on Facebook, and, and I, I'd like to think this was staged, but I really don't believe it was, but a woman had four 
packs of toilet paper and those packs had to be at least 24 rolls each. So you're talking like 72 rolls of toilet paper at least. And one woman comes along and she tries to take one pack out of that cart and the woman starts beating her. And I thought, first of all, what happened to that sort of human side of you that I I, I get the survival side, but we're not talking about, you know, we're not in hunger games yet. Right. And, And also you're talking about toilet paper, not chicken. Right. You know, and, and I just started th- like for if your first instinct is to beat somebody over something that you've completely got an overstock of, that really makes me sad. You and me both. I, um, I went shopping probably about a week into all of this and people had been posting on Facebook about the empty shelves. And I thought, oh, you know, that it, that just can't be right. It mm-hmm. just can't be. And I went shopping and thankfully I I didn't need paper products. I'm grateful for that. But I had a few, you know, just regular grocery type things to get. And I was standing in there and looking at these bare shelves. And I went to probably three or four stores looking for a few things here and there and seeing the same thing over and over again. And it was so surreal. Mm-hmm. And And I remember coming home and just... It, it literally, truly brought me to tears because I thought, what has happened to us? What has happened to us as a, as a species, as a, as a people? Um, my grandparents both went through the Great Depression. Uh, one set was fairly well off, and so they had quite a bit to share. My other set literally lived in a tent with a dirt floor, and still they shared what they had to share. Right, yeah. You know, I, I've always said if you lived during, uh, say, going back to Laura Ingalls' times, and and I, I I don't remember now if I talked to Alice, because my last guest on the show was Alison Armgrim, who played Nellie Olson on oh. Little House. And uh, I can't remember now if I got to talk to her about this or not, because it just went so fast. But I've always said that if we lived, if Laura Ingalls' times were today, and somebody's house burned down, the whole town would be there the next day, chopping down trees, building walls. And now you can't get somebody to move a, a couch without buying them dinner. Right. And you you take that difference and you compare the the where we are today, like just a roll of toilet paper or a, a one steak or or a chicken wing, and you know how many people would say, well, yeah, I I only have fifteen, so if you want one, I need like twenty bucks. Right. You know that's not going to help you live longer. That's just you trying to profit. And I'm really glad to hear that that companies like Amazon and eBay were really shutting people down that were trying to gouge people for hand sanitizer and things like that. But the concept of people doing that, free enterprise is one thing, and, and I don't blame people for trying to profit and build a business, but there's a difference between that and just understanding this is a world crisis and be a human being first. Yes, Exactly. Uh, you know, I have a, a few, a couple of businesses and a couple of them have products for sale. And I always thought, you know, if we ever got really big, I'd want to make sure that we maintained our humanity and we had our, our, you know, priorities in the right place and that, you know, we weren't there gouging people that, you know, yeah. we were being fair, you know, a win-win situation. You always want it to be a win-win situation. Well, I had seen one of my friends in uh, Massachusetts posted a picture of a grocery store that had gallon water bottles for five ninety eight, And my first thought was, okay, I know things are a little more expensive in Massachusetts, but I don't think they're that much more expensive. And she said, I really hope that they just put this on the wrong shelf. And I zoomed in on the tag. And sure enough, they had raised the price of a gallon of water to $5.98. 
And I thought, you know, the thing is, is you might make a couple of extra bucks today, but when this is over, people are going to remember that. Exactly. And if you just, if you just be a good person, you can still profit a little. I don't blame people for raising prices a little bit, but you know, you can, you can still be a good person. You can still profit and everybody can be okay. Or we can end up in a much worse warlike situation against each other after this is over. Yes. I I was speaking with my younger son about that very thing. And that's what we were talking about that we kind of feel like we're, we're at a crossroads and we have choices to make and lessons to learn. And I sincerely hope that when we come out of this experience, which I firmly believe we're going to, that we take a moment and we reflect on how we handled it personally, how we handled it as a society, and what can we do to be better? Yeah. You know, we were we were talking a little bit before the show about uh, reality shows, and I remember on, I believe it was Amazing Race uh, Season 7, there was a couple named Ray and Dina, and Ray was just awful to his, I think they were uh, boyfriend and girlfriend. I don't think they were married, but uh, he was just horrible to her. Very, very fierce competitor, you know, and like a lot of people on these shows, the competition was getting the best of him and he wasn't treating her like a person. She was a, uh, his, his teammate who better do the best that she can and better do everything he needs her to do and forgot that she was a person. And, I, I wonder a lot of times after these shows are over and they air, how many of these people that are a little more extreme during the process, when they see themselves, what they actually think, do they think, yeah, this is who I want to be? Or do they think, oh my God, I can't believe that's what I turn into. And I know in, in his case, personally, he actually did write to his co-stars on the show and apologized for his behavior, which I greatly respect. But I have to wonder, in those situations, much like this, how many people are going to actually be honest with themselves about who they were during this? Yeah, and that's the question. And I, you know, like I said, I think maybe that's that's something that we all might want to help each other with to to say, you know, hey, look, we we need to take a moment. You need to have some some self reflection and and decide who you want to be and how you want to conduct yourself. Because unfortunately, I don't think this is probably the last time we're going to be in crisis. I mean, mm-hmm. it would be great if it would be, but I it probably, in all honesty, is not going to be. So, you know, what are we going to do next time? Are we mm-hmm. going to learn from this and do better? I I hope. I pray. I do too. And uh, now I just found out a couple of hours ago that our uh, quarantine here in Vegas was extended to 45 days. So we are now uh, in until the end of April. And uh, what is it for you guys? Is it just the 30 still? You know, they're really kind of loose here. Phoenix has enacted their own things. And the last I heard, I think it was 30 days. Tempe, which is where I live, hasn't actually set a quarantine. They're just asking people not to to go out and about unless, you know, you're doing necessity shopping or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hadn't even shut down the bars and the restaurants yet. Oh, but wow. I heard that the, the mayor was talking about doing that. Uh, Mesa wasn't going to shut its public schools down. So each community here in the Phoenix metro area has kind of been making their own decisions on what they're going to do. Now, I do know the governor stepped in and said, no, the schools need to be shut. So he had all the schools shut down. But there's not really a, a set 
plan here that that I've been made aware of yet. Wow. I think we had to be a little more strict here in Vegas just because we're such a uh, travel stop. And I think the reason that they extended it here was probably because they don't want people making plans to come back uh, too early. You know, and, and I mean, most of the hotels have closed as far. I've, I still not heard an updated status from Caesars, but all the MGM properties are closed when Treasure Island, Venetian, they're shut down completely. And uh, it's just it's kind of surreal here right now. I can only imagine for, from a place that's always so busy and so vibrant to have everything shut down would be a, a little unreal. Yeah. Now, before we get into all of your awesomeness, which I really want to do, <laughs> Uh, we, I, I have a bit of a tip for everybody who is quarantined that is uh, alone. So I learned a very valuable lesson when I learned in California, and I would have uh, three or four days where I didn't have to go anywhere and I didn't have to talk to anybody. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't make a sound. I would text. I would uh, email. But I wouldn't really call people. I was really focused on projects and emails faster and all that. So I was not using my voice at all for days at a time. Now, the vocal cords are muscles, and just like anything else, it needs to be exercised all the time. So if you are someone who is living by yourself and you don't really talk, talk to yourself, voice text instead of uh, finger texting. Do anything that you can to, to find ways to utilize those vocal cords. Sing if you want to. You're not around anyone, so no one cares. And uh, just make noise, make some kind of sound, keep those muscles exercised. That's the reason that my voice sounds the way it does today uh, is because of the damage that I did to it when I lived in California. And that's oh, not a knock on L.A. That's that's me. That was my mistake. And I've fallen into that same pattern recently here in Vegas where I really don't speak a whole lot. So I'm trying to do that more. So uh, make sure that you're exercising your, vo- your vocal cords as well as, uh, you know, your body and everything and go outside and get some fresh air. That's that's my PSA for, <laughs> for today. So, uh, you know, uh, quarantine safety tip number one on the Haskin Cast podcast is uh, talk makes out. So, Michelle, you do a bunch of things. And the main thing that we're going to talk about today uh, is that you are you manufacture your own CBD oil. Yes. How did you get started doing that? Well, um, I have some family property. It had been in my family for over 70 years. My my grandfather and grandmother brought it. And I wanted to do something with it uh, that would help me keep it in the family. I didn't want to have to sell it off to the developers. And so my younger son and I were looking into agricultural things we could do with it because it's just raw land. And we were looking into various and sundry things. And he said to me, Mom, we should look into growing hemp. Mm-hmm. And I was not really aware of hemp. I, you know, I'd heard of the CBD oil products. Uh, you know, I know some people that sell them, and and I know a lot of people really benefit from using them. So we looked into to hemp farming, and we decided that that's what we were going to do, since it's now legal to grow in pretty much all fifty states. And so we jumped in, thinking we had all of our ducks in a row and knew what we were doing. And mm-hmm. we planted a crop. We were going to grow a couple of acres and, and we actually were going to sell the biomass, they call it, back to the people we bought the plants from originally. And they were going to create their own CBD oil with it. But because we were first time farmers and, you know, you don't know what you don't know till you you know it, right? Mm-hmm. We learned a lot. Uh, we didn't quite end up with the crop that we anticipated, which unfortunately I found out was 
a lot of Arizona hemp farmers, you know, back in 2019 when they grew, the crops didn't quite go exactly the way they anticipated. So we ended up with a very small crop and we couldn't sell it back to the people we we bought it from. It just wasn't big enough to be worth their time. And so we kind of had to decide what we were going to do with it. And, and we didn't want to just plow it under because we had tended this field by hand. We had done everything by hand. We had uh, planted by hand. We had weeded and uh, fed it by hand. And, uh, you know, then we harvested it by hand. So we were like, what are we going to do with this? And somebody suggested to us that we could go ahead and extract it ourselves and, you know, turn it into the CBD oil tinctures. And then we could at least offer those up to people. And so the plants that we had spent, you know, four months of blood, sweat and tears to to, to lovingly tend and and to produce would at least have some benefit. Right. Well, and I, I applaud that because I think a lot of people at that point would have just given up. Well, I'll be honest with you. There were times we were tempted. Sure. Uh, we, uh, I, you know, I, I've learned so much about how CBD oil is actually made. And once you harvest your plants and you get the dried material, you have to have it milled is what they call it. Mm-hmm. And basically it's, um, grinding it up to turn it into almost like fine powder. And because our crap was so small, we couldn't have it done by machines. We just, we didn't have enough biomass, they call it. Mm -hmm. So we literally were doing that by hand. We would pick the flowers off and we would rub them between our palms to turn them into the milled material. And so as you're sitting there leaning over a tub and, and rubbing, you know, hemp between your fingers, Sometimes you do think, is this really worth it? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. I, I'm getting this memory of when I used to make my own CD booklets and I would sell, like I would make 100, 120 CDs at a time. And I would sit there with my paper cutter and then my folder, like I would fold them and then I would staple the the books because they were always multiple pages. And I remember my back, how bad my back hurt at the end of, you know, maybe just even the first series of cuts. And I can't imagine the hours that you guys spent bent over this tub rubbing flowers together. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite a bit. It probably took us a couple of weeks or so, uh, you know, several hours a day to mm-hmm. uh, to to get that all milled so that we could turn it over to the company that would then actually what they call extract the oil from the the dried material. Right. And that seems like a weird thing to say. I mean, to say I'm going to extract oil from a powder, but even a yeah. powder has moisture in it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And it was very interesting. I didn't realize this as well, but as we were harvesting out of the field, uh, our fingers were actually turning black from all of the resin and stuff in the the plants themselves. Oh, sure. It is amazing everything that that lives in a hemp plant, but, you know, that's part of what makes it so uh, good for health issues and things is, you know, the the amount of cannabinoids and terpenes and resins and, you know, everything that the whole plant contains. Well, and and hemp uh, products have been known to to be able to do so many things. I mean, they're making uh, shoes out of hemp, they're making towels out of hemp, they're making oils and, and obviously, uh, you know, hallucinogenics. And there's so many things that it can do. It's kind of like the wonder plant. It really is. Now we grew a strain that looks more like a marijuana plant. That's what the CBD oil hemp is. It's, mm-hmm. it's very, you know, 
closely related to marijuana. The difference is it does not get near the level of THC, which is the hallucinogenic compound. Right. Um, in fact, you know, you only have uh, 0.3% THC is all you're allowed to have in your hemp. But what they're finding, interestingly enough, is our product is the full spectrum. So it does have that small amount of THC, which is within the legal limit. Mm -hmm. And then it has all of the cannabinoids and the terpenes. And what they're finding is actually that tiny bit of THC acts as a catalyst that then causes the cannabinoids and the terpenes to work even better. Really? So it's kind of like a, a booster. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people that have tried CBD in the past, because when they first started making the CBD oil, they did what they called a distillate or an isolate, and they were only taking one of the cannabinoids. And I can't tell you how many different cannabinoids there are right off the top of my head, but I think there's like 18 or 19 that we had tested for in addition to the wow. turpins and mm -hmm. the resins and everything. And what they're finding is much like everything, the whole plant is better than one particular piece because it all works synergistically together. So if people have tried CBD oil in the past and it was an isolate and they were just getting one, one uh, cannabinoid or, you know, maybe two or three cannabinoids and it didn't work well for them, that could be. And then there's also a product called Broad Spectrum, which is all of the cannabinoids and all of the terpenes and all of that stuff, but they take the THC out, you know, for people that maybe are in an industry that even though it's a small amount and it's a legal amount, you know, they wouldn't be able to use it. So they do that product for those people, but they're finding in the research that, like I said, they need that tiny bit of THC because it it just, like you said, boosts everything and makes it that much more effective. Well, and that's, and I want to talk to you a little bit about the laws of, of all this too, but but you bring up a good point. And I think it's it's another one of those things where man thinks that we can do better than nature. Nature's growing the perfect thing. Now we might be able to break it apart and utilize it for different things, but to think that we can do something better than what the plant itself can do, it's really kind of that typical uh, arrogance of man, isn't it? Yeah, I would agree. Yes. <laughs> I I think in a lot of ways, nature knows better than we do. And that's for sure. Yes. Of course, if it really did, it would have kicked us all off the planet a long time ago and said, <laughs> I'm not putting up with your shenanigans. Right. <laughs> Now, but now, obviously, you live in Arizona, and Arizona is one of the places where mar marijuana has, I almost said marinara. <laughs> it's getting close to dinner time, you can tell. Uh, I, I hear you. Marijuana has not been legalized, one of the few states where that has been the case. And of course, here in, in Nevada, uh, it's everywhere. Um, what are the restrictions in, in Arizona? You have to have a, a card for what level of THC? I'm not entirely certain. I would imagine you have to have a card. I know for us as hemp farmers, our hemp crop is only allowed to have 0.3% THC. If it goes over 0.3%, it is then considered marijuana and they actually will destroy our crop. Wow. So that's what makes CBD legal and that's why it's legal in all 50 states because it's a federally mandated level of THC within the product. Mm -hmm. But without that catalyst, then how, um, how effective is the lowest grade of THC or no THC in the uh, CBD oil? 
Well, from what I have read, uh, and, I, and I, I wish I could say I'm an expert, I'm not. When I got into this, like I said, learned a lot, and I'm still reading and learning. But from what I understand, even that 0.3% is enough of a catalyst to make the product work better for you than if you had the broad spectrum, which is everything minus the THC. Mm-hmm. Now, my understanding is if Congress, because that was just an arbitrary number, when they decided to make hemp legal, when they took it off the, um, you know, substance list, controlled substance list, because they finally did realize that it's not really marijuana. Mm -hmm. Marijuana plants generally have anywhere from 9% up to almost 80%, 90%, depending on how they've been bred, of THC. If hemp was allowed to grow to its full maturity, because see, we have to harvest it. We have to test it and make sure it doesn't go over that 0.3%. Yeah. Um, if we were allowed to just let it grow to its full maturity, it would still only have 1% THC. That's all the higher it would ever go. Okay. So if you were, and if you were to uh, let it grow beyond that maturity and have to dial it back, you really can't dilute it. It's just too late for the product that you're trying to make. Well, actually, that's not true. We oh. actually could see it's just Congress. They're, you know, they're they're worried about drugs, and, and I understand that. In their mind, if the hemp goes over the 0.3 percent, it now becomes marijuana. Right. But actually, what you do is if you harvest it and you have it extracted, which is what we did to create our product, within that extraction process, they can take the THC out. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's a good point. You know, and it's funny now that I'm thinking about it, I remember uh, my grandmother had a poppy seed plant in her backyard. They never banned those. Right. You know, <laughs> right. And, and that has definitely been known as an opioid. I mean, they, they always say, you know, before you go into an interview, don't eat a, a lemon poppy seed muffin because you could get enough of that chemical to fail a drug test. So exactly. I grew up in, in terror of, of eating poppy seed anything. Oh, oh. and it's a shame because poppy seed cake is delicious. Right, exactly. You know, I'm like, well, what if I need to have an interview in six months? I better not eat this today. I, I was that that ridiculous about it. Oh, oh. Like I don't, I don't want people thinking that I'm, you know, I have a drug habit and I'm like 19 years old and I'm just going in for a job interview and I, my grandma made made a, pot, a cupcake. Right, you know? exactly. I'm a little extreme, I guess. <laughs> I don't yeah, think you're better safe than sorry. That's so true. There you I, go. I don't really know that people think that deeply into it <laughs> as I did, but for some reason that was like one of those early programming things, and I don't know where it came from. But you know, those things can really have an effect on us as we're as we get older. Well, they do. And that's what we tell people with our product. We're like, look, it's really good and it's very effective. But if you happen to work in, say, aviation or law enforcement, we would not recommend our product because sometimes the THC shows up on a drug test and sometimes it doesn't. It kind Mm -hmm. of depends on each person's physiology and how they metabolize the product. But we're like, you know, if you're not in an industry where you have to worry or if you're in an industry where you can show this is what I'm taking and, you know, it's a legal product, then we definitely recommend being able to have the THC in there as the catalyst to make it work better for you. And I can understand that. I I have never uh, done THC uh, products and I've not done uh, CBD oil because I'm afraid of what it might do to me as a creative. And I'm sure that that dose is incredibly minimal. But what benefits would CBD oil have for people? Why would they want to take it? 
Oh my gosh, the research is just finding more and more benefits every day. One of the main things for the CBD oil is it's very effective in managing stress Mm -hmm. and anxiety and helping people sleep. That was kind of what it kind of came out with. And it's also very effective for pain management. Mm. Uh, One of our clients that bought a bottle from us the other day, I checked in with her and I said, you know, how are you doing? And, you know, that's kind of one of the nice things for us. We're very small. It's my sons and I are the company. We're the ones that did this. So we check on our clients. We we don't have a lot of product. You know, we're not mass marketing it. Mm-hmm. So if you need to talk to us, you know, you get my number and I'm like, call me. I will answer any questions I can. I'll tell you exactly how we grew it. I'll tell you exactly what we did, you know, wh- what food we used on it, you know, you can't get that with with just anybody. We'll we'll give you everything. We have our our soil report on our, the website. We have our uh, uh, you know lab report from when we had the extract tested. Mm-hmm. You know we'll tell you everything. But anyway, uh, one of the things that she said to me was how amazing it was that she would use it when her knee hurts, and she is a, uh, a dental assistant, so she's on her feet all the time. Oh yeah, and. And whenever her knee would hurt, she would take a dropper full and she's like, the pain's gone. I don't even notice it. That's amazing. Now, does she apply that topically? No, our, you could with our product. Our product is in hemp seed oil, which also has its own benefits. It would be a little greasy, but she takes it uh, internally. And oh, that's okay. kind of how we recommend it. Now, do you does the bottle come with like an eyedropper or how does it work? Yes, yeah. So it looks almost kind of like... Uh, uh, you know, any kind of tincture that you would get, you know, mm-hmm. it's in the standard uh, uh, dark bottles because that pro- uh, protects the integrity of the oil. And then, yes, it does have the dropper. And and that's what we said. We recommend one to two dropper fulls a day, depending on, you know, your condition or, you know, how you need to take it. But like for her, she takes it as needed. She doesn't even have to do it every day. Right. But people that are in chronic pain, you know, they'll they'll take it every day. Or people that have insomnia chronically, you know, if you take it every day before bedtime. And then the research that's coming out is saying that it's actually helpful in dealing with cancer symptoms. So like the nausea and vomiting that you can get from uh, chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. And then some of the latest research is talking about CBD oil actually having anti-tumor effects where it actually stops tumors from growing. Wow. Now, yeah. So, I mean, that's research in the pipeline. And then I was reading on it again with, you know, the stuff with the coronavirus and, and things. And like I said, it will definitely help reduce stress and anxiety. But they also believe, again, research is ongoing, that CBD oil has what they call an immunomodulating effect on the body. So it will boost your immune system if your immune system needs to be boosted, or if you happen to have an overactive immune system, which can cause issues as well, it will bring that down. So it puts your immune system in a state of balance. Wow, that really sounds amazing. And and I love that it takes such a minimal amount to do that. Yes, yeah. You know, I think even even taking a multivitamin, most multivitamins are fairly large and uh they're not they're not pleasant to swallow because they're very very dense. And uh you know, thinking that I could do that or I could take a couple of drops of something a day, uh obviously that's going to be far more appealing knowing that it's a more widespread uh effect. Right. Well, I'll be honest with you. A dropper full is a little more than than a few drops. It, it, it is a milliliter. So, but mm-hmm. you know, not 
still not bad. No, no, not at all. And is it is there an advantage of taking it orally versus topically? Is one better than another? Does that depend on what you're trying to do with it? Well, I yeah, I think it depends. I mean, most products that are meant for topical use are usually put more into like a cream or a salve. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think people use that because some people are a little worried about taking it internally. Like you said, you were worried about, you know, what it might do to you as a creative. Mm-hmm. But from what I've read with what they call our endocannabinoid system, which is kind of like the endocrine system, but mm-hmm. it's meant for cannabinoids there's more of an effect taking it internally than you get from using it topically. Oh, okay. What I've never understood about any kind of uh, reliever, uh, uh, whether it be an aspirin or something like this, I've never understood how the medication knows what's wrong with you. Like if if I have a headache or if I have uh, knee pain, I could take an aspirin and it will clear up whatever's not working right. I've never understood how it just knows where to go. Well, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure either. Uh, from what reading I have done, I think it actually kind of works more in like the brain centers that send out the pain responses. Mm. So it's not actually going to the knee or the shoulder, but it's working within the nervous system. Oh, well, that would make sense. But but don't 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 hold me to that. <laughs> well, no, no, but but that certainly would be a logical explanation. That was kind of my understanding from what I've read. Huh. So well, see, now even even if that's possible, which I think it is, uh, I feel enlightened. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Years of concern have just washed away, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Well, I'm I'm very excited that you're doing this because I know I know you and I know the kind of love and care that you put into the things that you do. So I, I have no question about the quality of it. I think it's great that you've had the experiences that you did with that first go around because you were able to take something that easily could have been a disaster and you turned it into a real positive and you've got it available to help other people and you have helped other people. Uh, how can people find it? Do you have a website? Where can they where can they connect to it? We do. You can find us uh, multiple ways. We do have the website. The name of our company is MJ and J Farms, but the website is just mjjfarms.com. They uh, they don't let you put an ampersand in a in a domain name. Oh, really? Yeah, I know. I didn't know that, but no, they won't let you do that. So it's mjjfarms.com. So that's the website. We also have a Facebook page, which is under MJ and J Farms. So you can get in touch with us that way. Uh, The website has my phone number. It has an email. So there is a multitude of ways that you can contact us if you're interested in the oil. Excellent. And we will have those links in the show notes. Sometimes the Facebook links don't always work because you have to be logged into Facebook. It just depends. I don't know. I've never understood what the difference is between a link you can click and log in and you'll still be on the same page versus a link that you click and you log in and it takes you to your own homepage. Because there's nowhere to set that within Facebook. Like on my pages, I can't, I don't have any control over how they work. So I don't know. That's very interesting. But we will have the links in the show notes. If you're in Facebook, you could always copy the link from the show notes and paste it into your browser once once you're logged into Facebook. Uh, Either way, you could find it pretty easily. Yeah. So uh, was, was there anything that you that you learned with this batch that you think, okay, now when I go to do the next batch, I can do it so much better from a production standpoint. 
Oh, tons. Yeah. Uh, mostly within the growing, uh, we, uh, because like I said, we did a field grow. A lot of these things are done in a greenhouse, but we wanted to do the field grow. So we definitely learned uh, a lot about the plants and the sunlight they need and, and you know what time of the year they need to be planted on. Uh, my son learned a lot from some neighbors up there that had actually grown medical marijuana in California about how to trim the plants and how to prune them as they're growing to make them stronger and healthier and more productive. Uh, we learned uh, about uh, different organic ways because we did grow this all organic. It's all mm -hmm. completely organic, but we learned even more, you know, effective ways of, of using food and fertilizer and, uh, you know, more effective ways of weed control rather than just having to go out and pull them, right. but still maintaining the organic, you know, being organic, which is, you know, something we intend to continue with. Good. So, yeah, we learned so much. That would be a whole nother show. <laughs> well, I, but I love that, that because you paid attention. And a lot of people, I think, uh, people that I've met that have started businesses and they, you know, maybe they don't uh, do that well the first time, but they tend to ignore the mistakes that they've made or things that they could do better that aren't necessarily mistakes, but just, hey, you know what, if we use this process instead of that process, then we'll be two steps ahead of where we were. Uh, those kind of things, they just tend to go like a diet. Well, it didn't work, so whatever. And I love that you stuck with it. I love that you didn't give up. Yeah, we we plan on growing again in 2020. I Good. I think we're probably going to do a, a, a greenhouse grow this year just due to financial investment. But uh, we really would like to do some infrastructure work because that was another thing we learned about the uh, the 2019 grow season. We have some infrastructure we really need to put up in the field and some things like that. So we'd like to take this year to still grow a product uh, and hopefully, you know, have more oil for next year. Because mm -hmm. like I said, we do have a limited supply and then be able to come back in 2021 and have a field grow and do it right and, you know, create the crop that we envisioned in 2019. Sure. Well, you know, and it's amazing. Before I visited Arizona, I thought uh, of Arizona as very much desert. And it, and it is in the desert, but Phoenix, the Phoenix area in itself is, is very fertile. And there are a lot of things that you can grow. Uh, when I first went and visited, I saw plenty of orange groves that were very, very healthy and, and producing a lot of fruit. And it really surprised me because I wouldn't have thought that being as dry as it is there that you can actually produce. But there are a lot of things that you can grow in Arizona. Oh, there's a ton. And, and most of the hemp that was grown in Arizona in 2019, they did down south around Tucson, which has a lot of agricultural and Yuma. Mm -hmm. Yuma has a ton of agriculture down there as well. Uh, we were rebels. Our family property happened to be in northern Arizona. So mm -hmm. we were doing, uh, no pun intended, but we were doing a high country grow. So um, <laughs> That works on so many levels. <laughs> yes, it does. Exactly. Which is why we were working with a company out of Colorado, because mm -hmm. they specifically created a strain of hemp that was meant for the higher altitudes. Uh. But uh, so... Um, you know, yeah, as long as you've got the water, Arizona's got really fertile soil and, and our particular piece of property hadn't been touched and gosh, it'd been over 50 years since my grandfather had farmed it. Mm -hmm. So that's why I said it was totally organic. It was just rich and fertile. It had been sitting there. It, it was, it was ready to grow. 
And I like that because then obviously that area of land is has got the minimal chance of having, you know, the pesticides that are 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 just in our air naturally from all the things that, that we've done and uh, you know, not as much smog and uh, uh what do you call it? Uh not biocarbon. Uh what is it that uh Carbon dioxide, that's what I'm thinking of. Right. You know, it's it's really like natural, as, as good as it's going to get in this world at this point. Pretty much, yeah, because there's nobody else up there farming. So there's no cross-contamination. There's no worry. You know, we say our, our stuff is non-GMO because there's nobody else growing around us. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have to worry about any type of cross-contamination. And this is a rural area. So, you know, we didn't have to worry about any kind of solvents that might have been on the property previous. Because like I said, it's been in my family for 70 years. Sure. And there's not a lot of people driving up there, not a lot of uh, factories that have pollution and that sort of thing. Right, exactly. Yeah, so, very nice. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for you. Now, Now, as you said, uh, there is a limited quantity. So folks, uh, make sure that if you want to get this, uh, get your order in soon because this uh, podcast will air uh, soon from the time that you and I are talking. But I would imagine that the bottles are going to go fairly quick. So make sure you get in and get yours as quickly as possible. Um, I want to talk to you about your acting because you are also a very talented actress. <laughs> well, thank you. I'd like to think so. <laughs> do you do you mind being called an actor? That still seems weird to me. I, I'm kind of old fashioned, though. You know, I don't have a real big thing with labels. Uh, so, you know, call me an actor, call me an actress. I, it doesn't matter. Just call me for a job. That's really all I want. <laughs> what are there certain uh, types like genres that you prefer to work in? Or are you pretty much just, hey, if I'm acting, I'm happy? Pretty much. I'm just, if I'm acting, I'm happy. Uh, I tend to be cast in dramas more so. Uh, and, you know, I tend to be cast as the the mom or, you know, I may be moving into that next step, if you know what I mean. No, you're still 23. <laughs> right, exactly. Which I love. But, you know, I, I'm pretty much open to just about anything within, you know, limits. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, as long as I, I have a chance to create a character and be on set and be with other people that are, that are creating. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just pretty much happy to be there. I think there's a real magic about being around people that are creative. Do you, do you feel that like I do? Yes. You and I have a, a, a wonderful mutual friend, Kelly Kincart, who does all of my uh, album covers. Kelly from outside the box dot photo uh, does all my album covers. I've absolutely loved every single project that we've worked on. She just blows me out of the water with the with what she comes up with. I'll give her some sort of horrible, crappy drawing and she'll turn it into something that's not at all that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, she's very talented. I had her do some headshots for me. And yeah, she's uh, she's a great photographer. But she's one of those people that when you, you know, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to just like sit down and have coffee or tea with her like I have. We used to do that all the time. Uh, but there, there are people like her that you just constantly want to be around because of the vibe that they bring that just creative, lighthearted, you're always building something. And, and every time I would just be like, okay, I want to put out 10 more albums now so that you can do 10 more covers. Oh yeah, absolutely. Kelly and I, we, uh, when she was still living in Arizona, we got together and you would have lunch or dinner and just sit and chat. And, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to catch her when she's come back into the States, you know, cause you know, she lives out of the country now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah, I've, I've spent a lot of time just hanging out with Kelly and I always enjoy it. Yeah, I do too. And, and she's just, she's just one of those people that like you, you're just always bubbly and, and, 
Uh, you always just make people feel better whenever they're around you. I like people like that. Um, speaking of which, you I love your posts on Facebook. You're always posting these incredibly beautiful landscapes and just surreal looking photographs. Where do you find these things? You know, they just pop up on my feed. I, I have one page that I belong to called Incredible World, mm. and it comes up. So if I'm going through my feed and there's something beautiful on there that, you know, people will allow you to share because sometimes they don't always necessarily allow you, I like to pass it on. Because mm-hmm. if, if I if I see it and I like it and I think it's beautiful, I want to share it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm very much the same way, but I second guess a lot of the things so I don't end up sharing them. No, you know, I think, well, people are going to think that stupid or everybody's seen this a hundred times already. And I'm just going to be another person posting the same thing. So I, I very, very uh, limited in what I choose to post. But that, I think that's just a self-conscious thing. Well, I have skills to help you with that. Yes, you do. And that is the perfect segue <laughs> into the next thing that I wanted to talk to you about. Um You are a now I, I always make the mistake of thinking that this is the wrong thing. And I had a guest on the show last year that I did the same thing with. You are a hypnotherapist, which is not putting people underwater. That's a hydrotherapist, which I don't think even exists. I don't think that's even a thing. (laughs) Yes, no, I don't put people underwater. Well, I mean, I can in their imagination if they really want to, but don't do it physically. That's very true. I have had people that have listened to my relaxation music and said that they felt like they they were in the ocean, like swimming in the ocean. And, uh, and I really like that. Well, and that's your your music, which I actually have one of your albums and I love, by the way. You do. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, it's a, it, Basically, what they're talking to you about is a state of self-induced hypnosis. Mm-hmm. So your music has brought in a state of self-induced, and that is where their subconscious mind is taking them. I love that, though. I love it yes. because it's, it's a place that brings them joy. And if they're associating that with something that I've created, I mean, that's a pretty big uh, boost for me right there. Oh, absolutely. And since this show is all about my ego, that's <laughs> what we're just going to keep talking about. Um, okay. No. <laughs> uh, so to explain uh, from your, your side of things what a hypnotherapist does aside from not drowning people. Well, (laughs) what a hypnotherapist does is they actually are a facilitator. And so they help you uh, with any challenge or goal that you have that you want to achieve. They help you access your subconscious mind. When I got my training back in 2010, the research then said our subconscious was probably in charge of about 85% of our total mind. The latest research is saying that our subconscious is in charge of 97% of our total mind. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Astounding, isn't it? Yeah. It stores everything. It stores all of our thoughts, all of our feelings, all of our beliefs, all of our experiences. And so if you have something that you want to change, you know, like you were talking about being self-conscious, somewhere, somehow you had an experience that caused that program to start running. Mm -hmm. And that program now lives in your subconscious mind. And if you wanted to release yourself from that feeling of being self-conscious, the fastest, easiest way to do it is to get in touch with your subconscious and go to the root of that program so that you can reframe it. Well, that certainly makes perfect sense, because if you want to solve a problem, you have to go to the problem, not something else. 
Correct. So all we're doing as hypnotherapists is I always tell people, I said, you're actually doing the work. I'm simply here as a facilitator. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to find out what language you're using because, you know, we all have soft talk, self-talk. We all have things that go into our our mind that we're saying to ourselves all the time, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And so my job is to talk to you and to listen and find out what languaging, what phrases, what words you're using that evoke the negative feelings that you want to release. Right. And then we talk about the positive feelings that you want to replace those with. And as we're talking about the positive feelings, there's also languaging and words that come around that positive feeling. And I listen for those. And then when I create the guided meditation, because that's basically all hypnotherapy is, it's a guided meditation, but it's with a purpose. Mm -hmm. So I take your self-talk because you're used to listening to yourself anyway. And I use those words back to you in a way that helps you access, access the subconscious and and listen to those phrases and remove the negative connotations from them and release them so that you can put in the positive thoughts, the positive feelings that you would rather have. Um, I was doing that in LA when I was there for a while, uh, working with fellow actors. So many of them have such severe audition anxiety. Mm-hmm. They're very talented, but it doesn't come across because that anxiety cripples them in the audition room. And so if you can relieve that anxiety and get rid of that negative programming and allow their confidence and their inner uh, beauty to shine through, then they have so much of a better shot of showing the casting director what they really can do. Well, we self-sabotage a lot, don't we? Yes, Yes. I don't know why, but we say things to ourselves we would never say to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Except maybe on Facebook. I've noticed that. <laughs> yeah, if, you're, if your uh, login is 8228134, you pretty much say anything you want. <laughs> uh, well. but, but there is a, a certain, I think, I don't know if it's a fear of success or just buffering yourself because you're, you're afraid that the failure is going to hurt. So if you sabotage yourself, sabotage yourself before that, then the failure that you're expecting won't hurt as bad. There's that. A lot of people do have a fear of success. Um, what happens if I if I succeed? How does my life change? Will people still like me? Will my family still? Th- There's that that runs. And then again, like you said, the fear of failure. Well, what if I fail? You know, how's that going to feel? It, our our mind is so amazing. What it can create for good or bad. Mm-hmm. That when I got my training, I did it for my own personal use. I never intended to do it professionally. Uh, I had gone through my own set of trauma and somebody had recommended it to me. And so as I was taking these classes at one of the absolutely worst times in my entire life, I was absolutely astounded by what our subconscious could do. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how much of us it controls, but we feed it so we're really doing we're really giving it the power to control us by what we put into it in the first place. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know, unless you're aware of how powerful your thoughts and your feelings and your emotions are or your experiences, you know, sometimes you get things inserted in there that you know you didn't do intentionally. Um one of my family members deathly afraid of flying mm-hmm. from an experience she had as a child. Mm. 
and she's never been able to work through that trauma. And so she carries that with her to this day. Wow. Yeah. And, and the subconscious itself is not a conscious thing, right? It doesn't make choices of what it tries to get us to do. It only really regurgitates what we feed it. Pretty much. Yeah. It, it is not conscious. Uh, when I had my training, we were kind of told that the subconscious is kind of the bridge between our conscious mind and our higher self. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's this whole component to what it does. But the thing about the subconscious is it doesn't know the difference between fact or fiction or real or imagined. Mm-hmm. So if you have an experience and you imagine certain things around that experience, good or bad, your subconscious is going to take those feelings. And that's really what your subconscious is. Your subconscious really, truly works with feelings. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take those feelings and it's going to internalize them. And then it's going to continue to utilize them. So is it is it kind of like a recorder that just says, this is what you felt, so this is what it is, and that's just the way I'm going to look at it? Pretty much. Interesting. I kind of like to think of myself... This is going to sound really weird, but stay with me for a minute, okay? Okay. Uh, I like to think of myself as a houseplant. And, well, not myself, like my physical self, but like my subconscious. I like to think of my subconscious as a houseplant. And I've always read that if you are nurturing to your plants, your plants will grow better. Uh, if you sing to them, if you talk to them, if you uh, feel joy when you water them or when you look at them, um, the whole naked thing I'll leave to interpretation. But uh, – <laughs> I like to think of myself sub, uh, subconscious that way, and I try to treat it as if it was that same plant that I'm trying to get to grow. Absolutely. I always tell people, I'm like, you know, our subconscious is always, and it takes in all the information. Your conscious mind, and and I wish I had the numbers here in front of me, but I don't, and I can't remember them. But of all the sensory pieces of information we're being bombarded with constantly, your conscious mind can only process, oh God, I think it was under five things at a time, if it was even that much, but it can only process just a very small amount of all of the sensory information that's coming to you. Your subconscious, on the other hand, pretty much takes in everything. Mm -hmm. And in fact, from the time we're zero to two, so I always tell people, be so careful what you say around your children. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be, we thought, oh, they're just babies. They don't understand. Oh no, they are, they're like sponges and they are sucking it all in and there is no filter. They have no way of determining if that's legitimate or not, or if that makes sense. You know, there's no critical thinking. So they just take every bit of information that comes their way and sucks it in and puts it in their subconscious mind. And that oftentimes creates the foundation for the programs they run later about how they feel about themselves, how they feel about their parents, how they feel about love and safety and security and that whole thing. And then even as an adult, I say, be so careful what you look at or read or doing right before you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Because as you put yourself into a sleep state, that is a form of hypnosis. And whatever is in your subconscious as you're drifting or in your mind as you're drifting off to sleep is what your subconscious is going to work with all night long. Right. And so if you uh, if you grow up with parents that say fight about money, all the time, then you're going to look at money as a negative thing. Exactly. So once you've identified that, uh, for whatever set of circumstances that uh, let's let's just go with the money thing because that's that's very common. 
uh, once you've identified that you have a negative feeling towards money, that you always feel like you don't have enough, that uh, you're never going to be able to buy the things that you want, whatever that that thing has caused, it's grown into, uh, that every time you feel that, now you're feeding your subconscious with that reinforcement that, yes, this is the right feeling. Once you've identified it, how how difficult is it to really start changing your subconscious's view on whatever it is that you are so definitely in focus focused on being uh, afraid of? You know, that really depends on each individual person. Mm-hmm. Our subconscious mind is there to protect us. And so it will only take a suggestion that you're ready to take, which is why some people have such great success with smoking and weight loss in hypnosis and other people don't Mm -hmm. because they're not really ready to address the smoking or the weight loss. There's other issues that need to be dealt with first. Right. So sometimes if somebody is really ready and they're open and they're willing and they're ready to make that change and that shift, you run them through a guided meditation, you change the framework of how they feel about money. Uh, There's a whole bunch of different types of techniques that you can go in and use. Um, You know, not only was I trained in hypnosis, but, you know, we received some NLP training and, and other things in our toolbox, you know, to help each individual person, because we're all different and we all respond in different ways. Mm -hmm. But if they're ready and they're open to make that change and that shift, you can very easily shift that negative feeling to a one of positive just by having them imagine a different outcome or having them imagine going back to that child that's scared and, 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 you know, talking to them now as the adult who knows that, no, you know, here's the reality. And, and that all depends on your individual client and, you know, what, as you're talking to them comes out that would work best for them. Other people, it's kind of like peeling back the layers of an onion. So you just deal with one negative thought at a time until you're able to to peel that away and change that program that that runs from from you know negative to positive. Right. I would imagine though that 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 takes a consistency of action after you've decided to make that change. Right. So when uh, again using money because it's it's the most universal. Uh, I, I've decided that, you know what, money is not a bad thing. But then when I get my next bill from the cable company or the utilities or whatever to not go, oh, my God, I don't want to open this. Like you really have to stay consistent or as consistent as possible with that new paradigm. Yes. And when I work with my clients, I very often try to leave them with some type of anchor. So as they're feeling really positive about money, I have them think of a, a a color if that's what works for them or Mm -hmm. in NLP, you literally make anchor points on your body. So there's a, a, you know, you, you maybe touch the inside of your elbow and it brings back that feeling of being positive. Or oftentimes I really like just using breath as an anchor because we all breathe all the time. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, have them when they know they're beginning to feel that negative thought or that negative feeling or emotion coming in or that stress or, you know, whatever it is that they want to release, I have them think about, you know, taking in that nice deep breath. And as you breathe in, you're remembering these feelings you have now of feeling confident and positive and, you know, the the new feelings about money. And as you take that breath out, you're releasing all that stress, all that negativity, all that fear, all that anxiety. And oftentimes that's enough if, like you said, you're consistent and willing to do it. 
And then oftentimes I tell them the same thing I was telling you about as you're going to sleep, run through the same scenario we've run through in our session so that you're continuing to reinforce the positive feelings about money and being able to create enough and have enough. Because like I said, your subconscious is going to work with that while you're sleeping and it's just going to reinforce it more and more. Absolutely. You're absolutely correct. I like I said, I'm only a facilitator. It's up to you to do the work. And so it depends on how much work you want to put in. And I think that's a really important thing to go in knowing. It's kind of like you go to a doctor, you just expect that they're going to fix it and you're not really going to have to do anything. You have to take the pill or the vitamin or the shot or whatever, but they're really going to do all the work. This is really the opposite of that. This is you coming in and saying, okay, here's what I've identified. Here's some strategies, but it really is upon the person to improve those situations for themselves. Absolutely. I have tips. I have, you know, I hate to say tricks, but that's, you know, that's kind of tools. I guess tools Tools, would be a better word. I have tips and I have tools and I'm going to share those with you and I'm going to, you know, help you use them and I'm going to show you the most effective way to use them, but I can't use them for you. Exactly. Yeah. You have to remember to, to do that breathing exercise or you have to remember before you go to bed to run through this scenario and, and things like that. Um, but I would imagine that people that come to you in the first place, they want improvement. They they are hoping for that. But do you find that a lot of people are able to follow through or do you find that, that a, a, a percentage of people tend to just not want to do the work on themselves or not maybe face that the, they're responsible for being in the position they're in? Yes, <laughs> on, on both of those. Uh, a lot of my clients do come. They are ready to make a change. They've they've had enough. Uh, you know, sometimes they are two steps forward, one step back. And I always tell them, you know, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up about it. We all take those steps back. Mm-hmm. The main thing is, is, you know, get back up on the horse and keep going. Yeah. And then there are some that they do want the quick fix. They're not happy when they get into my chair and I'm like, you know, I can't fix you. I, you know, I love that Geico commercial of the hypnotist who's laying on the lawn chair and everybody's doing all the work for him. And, you know, the guy comes up and he's like, you want to clean my gutters? I'm going to clean your gutters. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I wish I had that kind of control because, oh my goodness, the things I could do and have. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Right. <laughs> I don't know? think very many people do. <laughs> Right, exactly. And thankfully. Right. Well, this is true too, because yes. good or bad, right? Right. So, you know, some of them are disappointed to hear that this isn't a quick fix and that I'm not just going to do it. And and I'll be honest with you, a lot of those people are are dealing with more addiction type issues because mm-hmm. they, they want a quick fix. It's hard for them to have to face what they need to face. But I always tell those people, I'm like, you know, if you're willing to put in the time and effort, I'm willing to support you on that journey. But don't you think, too, that that part of it, aside from the addiction, because I get that, they want to, to stop right now. Uh, but don't you think that part of it is the the just the, the air of society that we have today, the it's too hard, just giving me the trophy and I don't really want to work for anything, just make it better? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, those clients don't generally stick around. Yeah. They usually have their one session and then they move on and and I tell them, you know, if that's your choice and that's where you're at at this point, then, you know, that's okay. I think the thing to realize for anything that that takes improvement is it's going to take some element of work. It doesn't always have to be difficult. It could be enjoyable even. Right. But you are going to have to put forth some effort if you want things to change. 
Yes. And and I do have clients that get out of my chair and they're like, oh my God, I feel so relaxed. And I'm like, well, that's what I tell anybody. Anybody that gets in my chair, I'm like, I don't know how your problem's going to go because I'm not in charge of that. You are. But I can guarantee you, you will leave here feeling very relaxed. That's great. And now you bring up an interesting point, which I wanted to talk to you about, is that you say get in your chair, but you can also do right now, you can do a virtual chair. They don't actually have to come to you physically. Absolutely. Yes. And I've done several sessions uh, over the internet virtually, uh, once again, when I was working mostly with actors, but I can do that with anyone. So yes, I offer virtual sessions. Uh, All you need is a connection and a device that's big enough that I can see you because that's part of my job too is if I've put you under we call it trance but you know Mm -hmm. I put you in a state of relaxation is really what it is depending on what kind of an issue you're working on I want to be able to make sure I can see your face because that tells me how you're responding to the information that I'm suggesting to help you. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that, you know, if you start maybe getting into distress, that I can help you through that. So that's what I tell people. I'm like, I can do it over the phone, but I prefer to be able to see you just because that way I know you're safe. Sure. And these days we all have devices that we can put on um, a stand or something. And, you know, if you're going to put them under, they can aim the device at themselves and do what they need to do. Uh, hopefully they don't have one of those screen time out things. Right. You may want to shut that off before you get started. But exactly. Apart from that. Uh, no, I think that's, that's a really great thing because I think it used to be so much that you had to be in the room, but I think we've learned to do a lot uh, from distance nowadays. I think we've really started to utilize the technology that we have available to us in great ways. And not everybody can make it to your office. Some people are going to be uh, too far away. They can't drive, that sort of thing. So to oh, be yeah. able to do that, that's a really good thing, especially right now with most of us being in a, a, some sort of level of quarantine. Exactly. And, you know, that's something that I, I wanted to touch on too with everybody and, and the virus, you know, concerns and, and being in quarantine and that stuff. I don't know if people know this, but stress is the number one cause of illness. It yes. lowers your immune system. Mm-hmm. And the best way to combat stress is with a relaxation technique, such as meditation or yoga or breathing, but you know, a, a type of relaxation. And with a lot of people dealing with so many fears, it's like if you've got fear that's causing you stress, that's lowering your you know, that's lowering your immune system. We can do a session over the the web and help you release those fears, help you manage that anxiety, give you a tool to help you stay in a state of relaxation so you can keep your immune system up and running and strong. You know, I, the, I, I was never a big fan of tattoos. And of course, I have several now, but uh, <laughs> the, the first one that I got, uh, it's just on my wrist. It's where a watch would be. And it just says, uh, going up and down, it says N-O-W, and going across, it says N-O-W. Because wherever I am, whatever's going on, it's only right now. It's not what could happen two days from now. It's not what happened yesterday. It's right now is the moment that I'm in. And I remember I had seen a picture in one of those, uh, you know, the in-flight magazines, and it was a, a watch, and the pieces, the hands were just broken and laying in bits inside the watch. And instead of a time, it just said now. And that's where I got the idea from. And and I thought that's really brilliant because any time that you're worried, you have anxiety about, you know, what's going to happen uh, down the road tomorrow when, when somebody calls me, whatever it's going to be, just 
be right now. That's all you need to worry about. And right. when, when we're thinking about how long is this, this quarantine really going to go, what's really going on with this virus, this has never happened before, this is scary, just just be right now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it is easy to get stressed and it is easy to have anxiety. I totally understand those things. I do feel them from time to time. But that's just, you. you've hit it right on the head. You have to have some sort of anchor, something that you can just go to very simply and quickly and release that anxiety because your body will react to it. Your mind reacts to it. It affects everything. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I did a presentation for the Mesa Police Department forensic uh, department because those poor people are under an incredible amount of stress. And even in the research I was doing for them, I was astounded that chronic stress will actually rewire your brain. Mm -hmm. I believe that. And, and, you know, the, just, there was a website that I was looking on and it was like effects of stress on, you know, your different body systems. And it was like a list of 50 things that stress does to your body. And it's just like, you know, if we want to be a healthier society, that is the one thing we really need to learn how to do is to control stress and anxiety. And like you said, it is literally as simple as breathing. I have several breathing techniques. And in fact, I'm getting ready to post uh, a video on my Facebook, I have a Facebook page for Thoughtful Healing, which is my my hypnotherapy business. And also mm-hmm. I have a YouTube channel where I'm going to share the breathing techniques with people that I know is going to, you know, help them with the stress and the anxiety that they're going through now. It's, it's literally that simple. And of course, those links will also be in the show notes. You know, the last thing I want to ask you is this really fascinates me. And I, I'd like to get your thoughts, if, if you have any, on why people do this. But we will change our diet. We will get a gym membership. We will do whatever, you know, incentive, uh, how many steps did you do today programs there are out there because we can get like a $50 Amazon gift card. But why is is our mind the last thing that we take care of? You know, I have thought on that myself and I'm not entirely sure, but one of my theories is when I've worked with clients on smoking and weight loss and, you know, they come in and they're like, I know I should quit smoking and I know I should quit, you know, I should lose weight. And I'm like, I get that. And then they're resistant to it. What it always ultimately comes down to is whether that benefit is negative or positive, there is a perceived benefit you are getting from staying in the space you are in at the moment. Mm-hmm. And you and our subconscious and our conscious, our conscious mind too, is very resistant to change if it perceives that it's getting a benefit. Even if we think, well, that's a negative benefit, it, it doesn't matter. If it's a perceived benefit to you, it makes it very difficult to want to make that change. And so what I found with people like that is you have to find a better benefit to help them motivate to make the changes they want to make. I like that. I think that's very, very possible. I think couple that with the fact that it's not a visually tangible thing. You can't see the progress. You can't track it by getting on a scale or measuring your body fat or anything like that. There's no real way to measure the progress. And because people don't see success right away, they tend to think it doesn't work. It's just a bunch of hooey, whatever, and they don't do it. 
Exactly. And and I've had clients like that. Like I said, they want to be the one and done. And mm-hmm. there are some clients who are one and done. Like I said, again, it depends on you and your subconscious mind and what you're ready to go. Right. But I always tell them, here's the thing. Here's here's what I would suggest that you use as a measuring stick. You've come to me with something that you want to change, you want to fix, you want to feel better about. I mean, and like I said, ultimately it comes down to you want to feel better. Right. Because like I said, that's what our subconscious is. It's feelings really mostly. So what I invite them to do is at the end of the session and the next few days, you're probably most likely not going to be where you want to be, but have you moved a step or two closer to that goal? Mm -hmm. Do you feel any bit better whatsoever? Because if you've achieved any type of I feel better or I feel closer or I feel, you know, more the way I wanted to feel, you know, you're on the right path. That's excellent. And it's, you know, when you started playing Monopoly, did you just win? Was the game just over? You you had to go and take a bunch of turns and you had to get, you know, grow the money in your hotels and everything. That's what our life is like. We have to progress forward. As long as you're progressing forward and every once in a while, it's okay to take a step backwards because sometimes we need to get a, a different perspective. Uh, sometimes we didn't know about something and we have to take two steps back to fix it. And that's all fine. But strive to move forward. Exactly. Exactly. So that's what I offer to my clients. I'm like, you know, when you're determining whether this has been of a benefit to you or not, this is how I ask you to, to try to gauge it. Yeah. And I have no idea where that Monopoly reference came from, by the way, <laughs> just completely out of thin air, uh, probably because I've seen people start playing board games again, which I absolutely love. I grew up playing board games and I love that people are doing that because they have no choice. Oh, me too. And, you know, I was thinking about the social distancing and stuff like that. So everybody get on your your Facebook Live or your Skype and, you know, play cards together, or, you know, play board games together. You You can still interact with people. Yeah. And, you know, I have done uh, even well before this, I've done coffee dates and things, uh, you know, with people that I used to hang out with in Arizona. And uh, we've done that just over Skype or or, uh, Google. uh, What is it? Google chat. um, Google Plus, the the, uh, chat room, the video chat thing. And, uh, you know, or or you could do it over Zoom or whatever. But, uh, you know, I used to do a, a I was part of a mastermind group with six people that were all over the world. So, of course, I had I opted to be the overnight person um, oh, because that I, was, was nice of you. <laughs> I was one of the only people because I was up all night anyway. Uh, but it's it's amazing what people can do when they get together and they don't have to be in the same room to do it. You just have to connect and that's all it takes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Michelle, I can't thank you enough for taking some time out to uh, to come be on the show. Definitely, folks, check out the links, check out the uh, the hypnotherapist work, check out the CBD oil, grab a bottle before it's gone, or you're going to have to wait until next year's crop, and you don't want to wait. So grab it while you can. Thank you so much, Michelle, for coming on the show. I, I'm so excited for all these things that you're doing. Well, thank you, Scott, for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a great joy, and I still have a couple hundred episodes to go, so you'll have to come back and visit again. Anytime. Just let me know. Thank you very much. And in the meantime, good luck and you take care. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Haskincast podcast. And uh, check in the show notes to see how you can reach out to Michelle. 
for any of her services. She's absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, check her out, her stuff that she does. She's amazing. And you'll be glad that you did. Thank you guys very much. And uh, please remember to leave a review or at least uh, rate the podcast on whatever your podcast avenue is, whether it is uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Podbean or uh, Spotify or wherever. Thank you very much for doing that. It uh, helps me reach other people and it helps uh, the show find a bigger audience. And it makes me happier because that means that more people have heard it. In the meantime, stay safe. Take care of yourselves. Write to me with those tips at scott at scotthaskin.com. Cheers. Cheers.